It's Wednesday, so you've got me. I'm Carousel Baird. Hey, you can listen to me any day of the week. You can listen online at WRTFM.org, at the A Public Affair podcast, or on the WORT smartphone app. If you like what you hear, click the donate button and support community media. Your donation makes a huge difference. Six foot six above sea level. I grab the mic because I like to take you to another mental level. Low power frequency radio modulation. The big sound from underground. We bring the truth to places truth is never heard. Hello, everybody. It is Wednesday, April 5th. That means you've got me. My name is Carousel Baird. And um, thanks for listening to A Public Affair. You are listening on volunteer-powered, listener-sponsored community radio. WORT 89.9 FM, Madison. Well, I hope all of our listeners are realizing that yesterday was a big day here in Wisconsin. There was an election, and we elected a new Wisconsin State Supreme Court Justice. Janet Protosewicz was elected over Daniel Kelly. Um, but really, what we wanted to talk today about, we were planning this show and thinking, huh, the day after the election, what do we want to talk about? And the thing that really came to the forefront was the role that abortion and abortion rights played in this election and has been playing in elections for the past year. As people might remember, last June, less than a year ago, the United States Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade, the court ruling that protects a woman's right to an abortion across the nation. And by overturning Roe v. Wade, it made it a state's issue, state by state, women determining if they have rights and access to reproductive freedom and abortion based on the laws within their own states. Since then, elections across the nation, including the ones here in Wisconsin, have had abortion on the ballot, even when it's not really only about abortion. And here to talk about yesterday's election and even the bigger picture of what's happening in the United States, we have three fabulous guests joining us today. I'm so excited to have them. Um, We have Wisconsin State Representative Lisa Subek joining us. She's a leader for women's rights, abortion and reproductive rights in the state legislature, and before that on the city council, professionally, and so many levels. And she's the current Democratic Caucus Chair in the State Assembly. Hello, Lisa. So great to have you. Hello. Thank you for having me. Always great to have you, Lisa. And um, we have Wisconsin Wisconsin Watch. I need to slow down so I say it right. Wisconsin Watch reporter. I'm Phoebe Petrovic. Um, Petrovic. There you go. Now I got it right. Now I got it right. Um, Phoebe is an investigative reporter at Wisconsin Watch. And for 2022-2023, she's the Law and Justice Journalism Project Fellow. She previously worked at NPR in multiple capacities. And Wisconsin Watch is a nonprofit, nonpartisan news organization. Hi, Phoebe. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. It's great to have you. And we also have Dr. Kristen Lyerly. Um, Kristen is a OBGYN, a Wisconsin native uh, for many generations, and she previously practiced um, as an OBGYN in Wisconsin, is currently practicing in Minnesota. Hello, Kristen. It's so great to be here with you, Carousel, and these amazing ladies today. What a day to celebrate, I mean, there's a lot to celebrate and a lot to really break down. I I appreciate, you know, I appreciate having all three of you here. It's great. Um, So I want to sort of kick us off. um, Representative Subek, Lisa, can you start us a little bit with what is the current law in Wisconsin? Roe v. Wade was overturned last June, and it's seems to be a little unclear of what is and isn't legal in the state of Wisconsin. Sure. So first off, to be clear, abortion is generally not available currently in Wisconsin. And that is because we still have a law on our books that dates back to 1849. That's 174 years ago, before the Civil War, before women had the right to vote, before we had any women serving in office, that that banned almost all abortions and attached criminal felony penalties for physicians. And because that law remains on our books all these years later, it sets up a real lack of clarity in our state. Abortion has been governed since there are a number of abortion restrictions in place. Abortion had been available and regulated, although somewhat restricted prior to Roe being overturned. 
And so this really leaves a legal gray area where some people are claiming that this is the law of the land. And the reality is that it's probably not enforceable. Um, you know, certainly that's the case that we're making is that it is not enforceable based on all of these years of precedent and all of these additional um, abortion regulations that have been put into place since. So right now there is a case that has been filed by the attorney general and the governor, and that case continues to make its way through the court. Um, because that case has not been decided, we are seeing what I would describe as a chilling effect here in our state, yeah. where we don't have abortion access in the state because physicians are in a position where they don't have any clarity on what it, what is the law here in Wisconsin right now. And physicians do not want to be subjected, obviously, to um, time in prison, to felony charges, should somebody decide that they were going to try to enforce this truly archaic abortion ban. So individuals in our state, patients who need care, who are seeking abortion care, um, currently have to travel out of state for it. And that's whether you are facing an unplanned pregnancy or whether you're facing something gone horribly wrong in your pregnancy and may be in medical peril, you're still forced to travel out of state. Um, it's, you know, it is a, not, not only is it threatening our health and safety, but it is a direct um, attack on our freedom to make our own decisions about our bodies, our health and our future. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Lisa, for sort of laying that out. And Dr. Lyerly, your thoughts on really the chilling impact sort of building off on what Lisa was just talking about. Talk to us about the impact it has had on doctors wanting to um, perform abortions and reproductive health care in the state of Wisconsin. Everything that Representative Subek just said, I mean, she put it there so nicely. And what's been happening with doctors and with patients is we're not being we're not able to give care and they're not able to receive care because of this chilling effect. What people don't realize is that abortion is not this thing that lives off on a satellite somewhere. Abortion care is actually integrated within nearly every aspect of women's health care. So, for example, a miscarriage is a spontaneous abortion. That's actually the medical term for it. So as a physician, could I go to jail for managing a miscarriage? Hmm. What about an ectopic pregnancy? If there's fetal cardiac activity, could I go to jail for helping to save someone's life? Someone who could potentially die. I mean, women die of ectopic pregnancies all the time. It's the number one reason that women die in early pregnancy. Could I go to jail for saving her life? So there are a number of different contraception. There's a lot of confusion about contraception and patients don't know who they can turn to when they have questions about their reproductive health and doctors don't know where the limits are partly because of the confusion over this antiquated law and partly because of what's happening in other states stories that they're hearing out of texas and idaho about how doctors are being punished doctors don't do well with the legal system. We try to follow the law and take care of our patients and do everything right. And, you know, it's really, it's making it very difficult for us to take care of our patients. And are you seeing a chilling impact in doctors, you know, wanting to practice OBGYN and, and, you know, women's reproductive health care care in the state of Wisconsin? Oh, for sure. Yeah. I I have a number of friends who work in rural areas and they have their letters of resignation written They're ready to go if this 1849 ban stands. And I'm here to tell you that there is a shortage of physicians, especially in rural areas across the country. So there are plenty of jobs in states like Minnesota where it's safe to practice full scope OBGYN care. And in fact, that's the reason I'm not practicing in Wisconsin. The lawsuit that Representative Subek spoke of, I'm an intervener on that lawsuit, which means that I am a doctor who says that I can't practice because of this antiquated law. It's not safe for me to practice here. So I practice in Minnesota. Hmm. Really interesting. So sort of laying all of this out of this is the law on the land, this is the current state of life, uh, in Wisconsin and in states across the country since Roe v. Wade was overturned in June. Phoebe, I want to turn to you now. Um, 
so now let's sort of jump to the current moment. There was an election yesterday uh, about a candidate for Wisconsin Supreme Court. And we've had Wisconsin Supreme Court races in Wisconsin, right, for years. This is what happens every few years. But this conversation particularly felt like it was about abortion and other things, but so much about abortion. Tell me what it was like when you were covering this race uh, on the campaign trail. Yeah, so I had the um, distinct pleasure and honor of analyzing about 500 political ads from the first half of the general race. And overwhelmingly, they were about abortion and democracy. Um, So 44% of the ads that I looked at talked about abortion. all of those were supporting Janet Protasiewicz, either from her campaign or outside, except for just two from Kelly's campaign that touted that he had been endorsed by the three anti-abortion rights groups in Wisconsin. Um, and then the other cluster of issues that we heard um, that made up about a third of the or 30 percent of the ads were democracy, redistricting and voting rights. So abortion overwhelmingly was one of the major issues of this campaign. Um, And the thing that was different this time around was that um, Janet Protasiewicz shared her personal opinion that she believes a woman or a person who can become pregnant should have the right to choose um, what to do should they become pregnant. Um, And that is sort of a departure from prior uh, elections where they have been, judicial candidates in particular, have been a lot less open about their views um, conservative Justice Daniel Kelly, who was defeated, was very careful to say, I don't talk about my personal position on abortion, um, to which the Protosawitz camp was able to come back and say, you're endorsed by these three anti-abortion rights groups. You have um, blog posts dating from 2012 that say that you you know, have anti-abortion views. Um, you provided legal counsel to Wisconsin Light to right, or Right to Life, excuse me, um, and appeared at campaign events with anti-abortion pastors and whatnot. Um, one thing I did want to add that uh, as a historical tidbit that I find really fascinating yeah. um, is that 1849 law that we talk about, we always we talk about it as the 1849 law because that's when it was passed. Um, and it's shocking to think that there's a law now in the books um, that has potentially sprung into effect uh, from 174 years ago. But when it was passed in 1849, it was far less restrictive than it is today. So really? women and people who could become pregnant in 1849 had more of an access to more access to abortion more abortion rights than i do than dr lyerly does than anyone who could become pregnant does today and so when it was passed it said um that uh, the intentional killing of an unborn quick child was um was impermissible was criminal um unborn or excuse me quick child happened like the midpoint of pregnancy um so several months into that so um So this permitted abortions up until that time. And so there's a little bit of complication there because, right, there weren't like ultrasounds, there weren't reliable pregnancy tests. And so you would realize you were pregnant by the fetus stirring in the uterus or quickening. Um, So, you know, maybe you wouldn't know you were pregnant and wouldn't have access to that abortion that you needed. Um, But still, it was barred only at the midpoint of pregnancy once the fetus was stirring in the uterus. Gotcha. Um, And then within the last within the decade after that, um, amid a national campaign um, by an anti-abortion rights doctor, it got restricted to unborn child. And so then it was this broad law that we have today. But I, I really think that's important to sort of mention when we talk about the historical aspects. Actually, in 1849, the law was far more permissive than it is right now. Women back then, people who could become pregnant back then, had more of an access to abortion than they do right now in 2023. That's interesting, sort of the historical tidbit. And then tell us more about the conversation about abortion that was in the Wisconsin Supreme Court race, especially in the sense that it wasn't both sides saying pro-abortion, anti-abortion, pro-choice, anti-choice. It was one side saying pro-choice, pro-abortion, pro-access, and the other side saying Let's not talk about that. We don't talk about that. And I I think it's an interesting conversation to have because there's some laws that we think are so fundamental to America. There's not a judge that um, or candidate for judge that will say, I don't believe in free speech. Why? Because that's the 
First Amendment of the Constitution. There's no one saying, I don't want to talk about that. It really is like, this is the Constitution. I support the Constitution. Free speech, freedom of religion, First Amendment. It's so fundamental to America. And to hear the conversations from Judge Protasewicz on the campaign trail and other judges, you know, individuals that are running across the country, they're really claiming that as if they were talking the same about the right to, to free speech. Talk to us about that and, and what you were hearing about the boldness and the willingness to say that they defend reproductive rights. Yeah, so actually, there's a really interesting article out in New York Magazine right now by Rebecca Traster that says um, abortion wins elections. Mm -hmm. And she went really hard on this and talked uh, specifically about um, Michigan, but it applies here too, where the the messaging from the Democrats right now is that uh, abortion is a human right it's a it's a constitutional right or it used to be in many states or across the country and it's an inalienable human right um akin to free speech or this that and the other um and tying that to democracy um and education and uh economics and whatnot and i think that um was consistent throughout this campaign in wisconsin too where it wasn't um this uh sort of impolitic um, private uh, kind of dirty thing that we don't want to discuss, but it was front and center. Like this is uh, an essential right that uh, women and people who become pregnant need to have. Um, and we're going to talk about it. I want to remind everyone you are listening to WORT 89.9 FM Madison. This is a public affair. We're talking right now about the role that abortion rights played in yesterday's uh, Supreme Court Uh, election and the victory of Janet Protasewicz and also the implications of what that looks like across the country when abortion rights are on the line. We would love to hear from you. If you want to join the conversation, please give us a call at area code 608-256-2001 extension 9. We have Mary Jo, we have Jay and Sholly and Jade. We have everyone ready to take your call. Um, You can pass a message on to us or you can join us live on the air. We would love to hear from you again at area code 608-256-2001 extension 9. So I, I want to really sort of trace the role that elections have played out and get everyone's sort of opinion um, of how elections have played out since Roe v. Wade. Um, has been overturned in June, specifically here in Wisconsin, right? um, Biden won in Wisconsin. This was before Roe v. Wade was overturned by around 20,000 votes. Tony Evers and Josh Call won last November, and they won by around 100,000 votes. Um, Josh Call a little bit more, Tony Evers a little bit less, but pretty much around 100,000 which is significantly more than 20,000. Janet Protasewicz yesterday won by around 200,000 votes. It feels like the voices are getting louder of when abortion is on the ballot, this is an issue that Wisconsin cares about. Who Can anyone sort of help with that? And I don't know, Lisa, if you want to chime in, are you someone that pays attention to those numbers even more so? Sure, sure. So, I mean, I think right now a lot of what I can add is more anecdotal than anything else. But certainly abortion is an incredibly motivating issue right now. And the reason it's so motivating is because it cuts at our very freedom. Mm -hmm. Um, This is actually a right and a freedom that we have had for um, nearly 50 years since Roe had been decided. 1973. Yeah. Yep. Suddenly last June was taken away. Roe didn't have its 50th anniversary. Um, we suddenly found ourselves, we woke up one day with less rights than we had before. But it wasn't just, you know, when you talk about rights, you talk about really specific things. It goes beyond the right to an abortion because the right to choose safe and legal abortion cuts at your ability to be able to determine your own future which really is an issue of your basic freedom. And I think that that is why this is so motivating to so many people. People think about what a world looks like 
without access to abortion care. And it is what we are living through right now. It used to be some, you know, I worked for years to try to overturn our ban in case this happened. Yes. And I think it was hard for people to relate to what that meant. Um, And now that it's happening, people are terrified. People are scared. People know that they could find themselves in need of an abortion and not have access to one. It could be their child, their partner, somebody they're close to or themselves. And so I think this is really a motivating issue. What I can talk about from an anecdotal perspective is I spent a lot of time knocking on doors over the past several weeks and few months um, talking to voters about this election. And I have to tell you, as somebody who used to run for office in the spring when I was on city council, you'd knock on doors and people didn't even know there was an election. Right. This time, every single person I talked to knew there was an election. They were motivated to vote, and they knew why they were motivated to vote. And the vast majority of the time, abortion got mentioned. Um, and it is because people understand that this is a, a, a threat to their basic freedom. And I think we will continue to see that play out. I do think it's important to note that it has to play out in all of our elections. Because if this only plays out in a judicial race, we will not solve the problem for the long haul. Um, I am thrilled that we elected um, Justice Janet Prota, Justice elect Janet Protasiewicz, who will be seated in um, July, and who will be seated at the end of July. I think it's important for folks to know that that there is a lag time there. Um, we have this abortion case moving forward. I think it will get a fair shake. Um, that said, we still need to change our laws. We still need to change our statutes. So it is so incredibly important that people who are motivated by this issue not only be motivated now, but they be motivated in every single election going forward. This is what we saw the anti-abortion movement and the far-right conservatives do for years. They made abortion the issue in every election until they got Roe overturned for their people, right? Like For their people, this was the motivating force. I think we, I don't want to say we were complacent, but we were secure in the fact that our freedom was protected. And I think we learned an important lesson, that our freedom is, that there is always a threat to our freedom. And we need to actively protect it. And so this is a moment where now we need to say, look, until every single person has access to safe and legal abortion when they need it, that we, that we don't stop, that we don't move on to the next big thing or the next issue because we have to change our statutes. And it's true not only about abortion, but it's true about non, you know, it's true about fair elections. Yeah. If we want fair elections, we not only need to change the courts, and it's an important piece, so the cases that come before them get a fair shot, we also need to be able to make statutory changes, to change our laws, to better protect the people of our state, to make sure that our freedom is never again infringed upon. Well, it's so interesting to realize, right, the impact and the motivation that it has of people waking, exactly as you say, waking up one morning and realizing they have less rights than they did before and that they've had for um you know, at least a generation, right? I'm 50 years old, Roe v. Wade passed the year I was born, and it was the law, uh, not passed, wrong word, right? It it uh, was approved by the uh, United States Supreme Court, but it was the law of the land my entire life, and then all of a sudden I woke up one day and had less laws than I had every single day of my life. And my children, my two daughters, had less laws than they had their entire life. It's really um, a huge impact. But Dr. Liley, I wanted to get your thoughts on, as Lisa was talking about, this was an important issue, but people didn't feel the fear. What kind of conversations have you been hearing in your practice? I mean, Wisconsinites and the numbers we have seen, Wisconsinites and Uh, citizens in the United States support access to to abortion and have long before Roe v. Wade um, was overturned, but they're now motivated by it more. Are these conversations that you've been having in your practice and you see with doctors? I didn't feel the fear either back when Representative Subak was banging the drum and saying, we need to repeal this 1849 law. We were all saying, yeah, that's never going to happen. 
Well, here we are. And I think now one in four women in this country will have an abortion in her lifetime. One in four, that's a lot. Mm -hmm. And I think now we're really starting to realize that this hits close to home. This is happening to us and people we love. And when you define it in the political realm, like what Phoebe was saying earlier, when it's just words, when it's just politicians talking about it, it's like bargaining chips. You know, like they throw around the words rape and incest, like, like they're playing a game. When I sit in an exam room with someone who is a victim of rape, that's no game. That's her whole life at stake. Mm -hmm. And she's one person. Is she willing to come forward and talk about it? Is she willing to pursue it? What is she willing to do for herself? What kind of counseling is she able to get? And then just multiply that times one in four women in this country. So suddenly this has become a very personal issue. And I think that is why it's gained ground and why people really believe that this is the thing that we have to stand for. And I know that you're probably gonna transition to this, but it's become about our values. So when Janet Protasewicz was talking about how, what she believed in, she wasn't talking about how she will rule on cases. She was talking about what's important to her. Well, we saw that up in Green Bay in the mayor's race. The mayor has nothing to do with abortion. But we know that when he's making his decisions, his values align with mine. And one of the most important values that we share is the protection of a person's ability to make their own decisions about their own bodies. And his opponent did not share that value. And that was very clear. So this has played out, I think, in elections that we would have never expected to see abortion be an issue. I mean, I think that's a good example. There was right this whole conversation about the fact that the mayor's race in Green Bay, where the incumbent mayor um, who did uh, win last night, he was successful. He won re-election. Um, he talked about being pro-choice. And again, the mm-hmm. opponent said, well, you're running for mayor. This has nothing to do with being pro-choice. But you're right. This isn't about just whether I personally have the capacity to uh, perform an abortion or change the laws to allow you access to abortion, but what my individual values are. It's been an important conversation that voters are looking to see in the people that they elect that they value the things that are important to them, including access to abortion and reproductive freedom for women and individuals who can become pregnant. Yes. And when we let politicians control the dialogue, they use words and they make abortion and even access to any sort of women's health care. I mean, periods, contraception, it's all taboo. They don't want us to talk about any of that. But when you're actually having these conversations and you're really thinking about how this affects you in your real life, it becomes so much more real to you. And I think that is why abortion has become a very tangible issue, because suddenly we're taking it out of that that political realm where it's not real and it's become very real to us. Well, and let's talk about bigger than Wisconsin, where you're talking about across the country, they're having conversations about periods. They're having conversations about the morning after pill. They're having conversations about personhood and changing state constitutions. I don't know which of the three of you, I bet all of you have some insights to this, but does anyone have anything they particularly um, want to talk about, about the conversations that are happening nationwide that are reflective of what is happening right here in Wisconsin about a Supreme Court case and the governor's race before that and the attorney general's race before that, really, and and the um, a mayor's race in Green Bay, being about abortion, even when abortion isn't per se on the ballot. Phoebe, have you seen any other races? Um, or is that well, not your, really your focus? So I really focus on Wisconsin, but I will say reading that article by Rebecca Traster, she talked about how um, Gretchen Whitmer, the um, Democratic governor of Michigan, put abortion central to her platform um, and made an economic issue, like made it, tied it to business, tied it to, you know, if we ban abortion or if it's not, if we don't have access here, then we are going to lose talent. Um, We are going to lose out on business investment because companies will not want to bring their businesses to Michigan. Um, We are not going to have doctors want to train in Michigan. Um, And so put it, tied it to 
very pragmatic sort of family values of like, how am I going to put food on the table? Where am I going to go to college? Things like that. So it was very tied to all of these other things. Um, I'm going to misstate the, I think it was Kentucky that had that voted to put it into their constitution right after. Right. Yes. Um, right. And, the, uh, and, and they and that lost in Kentucky and in Kansas. Those were huge outcomes where both of those states tried to do something. And the pushback was not what anybody in America thought was good. Maybe people on the ground, they knew better. But all of America woke up when Kentucky and Kansas both pushed back on abortion to say, whoa, who saw that coming? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To say and that they wanted they wanted those rights. And so I think that's sort of the, the groundswell. Um, across the nation is that now that we've had it it, it's interesting there wasn't a ton of support it was kind of 50 50 split support for roe after it was passed but then once it was taken away people were like wait a second i i really need this um and i want this right back and we're seeing it in other states too south dakota is circulating a petition for a ballot initiative we just saw the governor of north dakota veto an anti-abortion bill because he knew it was bad for the economy look at what tim waltz the governor of minnesota has been doing create there in a flurry of legislative activity like they've never seen before because they have the trifecta of democrats in power right now and they're passing all of this legislation to ensure that people have access to the healthcare that they need and deserve, and to take all of those ugly old bills, all those old laws off the books so that this, what's happening in Wisconsin, doesn't happen to them. Well, and I love, you know, Phoebe, you were anecdotally mentioning all these different things. And before the show, we were talking about, you know, I have a a 16-year-old daughter and we are looking at colleges. And you bet we are absolutely considering the politics of the state where we're looking at colleges. I mean, I don't really know if I want her to go to UW. I'm waiting to see what happens in Wisconsin. But when we were looking at, you know, other, you know, big schools and states that she wants to live in, and I'm like, oh, I'm not so sure you want to live in this great, great school in Virginia, but I don't know if you want to go there. Great school in Ohio, but how about University of Minnesota in Minnesota instead? And all of these different conversations that we're having, And I know it's anecdotal, but I think that these are the conversations that everyone's having about their children, right? This is the conversation of everyone with a with a 16-year-old that has the the um, freedom to choose a college, you know, with throughout the country. We're all having these conversations, and I would think they would just keep continuing. Um, Lisa, I wanted to get your take on this, you know, from the legislative level, and I know that so much of the work that you do is also looking at what's happening in other states and trying to bring, you know, that progressive movement forward here in Wisconsin. How are you seeing that being played out? Sure. So, I mean, I think some of the examples that have already been talked about are great examples. Michigan, we saw abortion front and center and what that meant, right? We've seen some real successes around it. Um, I think that, you know, it's hard sitting here in Wisconsin looking at our gerrymandered legislative maps and saying we need to make some real changes in that first, Um, but we do, and we have to make those changes. I think some, you know, other sort of other state stories that I would highlight is what's happening in Minnesota and what's happening in Illinois, not only because of what they're doing legislatively for their people, but for what it means for folks in states like Wisconsin, where we currently do not have abortion access. Um, Both Minnesota and Illinois, two neighboring states, are protecting the freedom not only of their own residents, but they're also protecting the freedom of our residents by ensuring there is a safe place for folks to go. It is not the best situation. We would prefer that People be able to access these services right here in Wisconsin, and I am certain that we will reach a point where access to abortion um, is restored here in Wisconsin, where we restore Roe and we restore our freedom. And until then, I am um, I feel good about the fact that our neighboring states are working together. We see our governor in coalition with other governors working to ensure that these services stay available to folks in our state, even as they can't get them right now 
here in Wisconsin. Um, I also, you talked a little bit about the stories of people locating places and going to college. Yeah. I was at a community event recently and I was talking to a woman who lives in my, lives in my district, actually lives in my neighborhood. And she was telling me that her daughter graduated college not too long ago and has been looking for jobs and had been planning to come back to Wisconsin and has changed her plans Mm -hmm. and is now looking for Mm -hmm. jobs in other states because of this very issue. So when we talk even about, and I mean, I hate to relate it to our workforce shortage in some ways because this is about our freedom, but in a state where you don't have reproductive freedom, it harms our ability to attract workers. And if there's ever a time in our state's history where we need to attract workers, it is right now. We have shortages across the board in a huge number of fields. It is the number one issue that we hear about from employers, from small business owners, the challenges in finding workers. And here we are with this decision that drives workers out of our state. Folks like this young woman who just graduated college, coming out of school, choosing not to locate in Wisconsin, choosing to change Mm -hmm. her plan. Because one day last June, the Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade, and abortion immediately became unavailable and in our state. We have got to keep working the change that we have to restore Roe here in Wisconsin by overturning this criminal abortion ban. And we have to keep working for a future where everybody across the country has access to safe and legal abortion. And Lisa, are you having these conversations? Um, what is the response from uh prospective employers when you talk to them in that capacity does this come up do they see the link it absolutely comes up Mm. i mean there's two things this comes up the other thing i hear a lot about prospective employers is access to child care um there is a certain reality that that's the other piece but with that's a discussion for a different day um but this definitely comes up because when they're recruiting employees they hear this kind of feedback that folks are not looking to come here. And it is, it is disheartening, and it is just one more reason that we are fighting so hard to restore Roe and restore our freedom here in Wisconsin. I want to, Phoebe, can we go back to you for a second? Can you give us a breakdown a little bit of the lawsuit by the Wisconsin Attorney General? Um, I know that um, Lisa, Representative Subag, uh, talked about it at the beginning, and we made some allusions to it. But can you tell us specifically what is it that um, is making its way through the courts and eventually uh, potentially headed to the Wisconsin Supreme Court? Yeah. So this lawsuit was filed last year in June, June, late June, twenty twenty two, by um, Democrat Democratic. Uh, Um, Attorney General Josh Call and Governor Tony Evers. Um, Initially, it was filed against GOP lawmakers that's since been replaced by um, prosecutors in, I believe, in counties uh, that had abortion clinics or clinics that provided abortions, um, because that's where it's relevant. There were only like three in the state of Wisconsin, so um, limited access anyway. But the lawsuit basically argues that the 1849 law or the 18- hundreds era laws, I prefer to say, um, is unenforceable because it's uh, superseded by other abor- other laws restricting abortion that have been passed since Roe. So it's a legal um, term called desuetude, I think, which is basically it has um, gone, uh, it's now obsolete because there are, it's still in the books, but it can't be enforced because it's obsolete because um, we have since passed laws Um, that restrict abortion, but implicit in that restriction is still a right to access it. So if you're Mm. saying, you know, you have to wait 48 hours or 24 hours, or, you know, a a doctor can has to see you in person in order to provide medication abortion, that implies you can get abortion. Right, right. Otherwise, you wouldn't need that rule. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, um, actually, a month from the election we had yesterday, so in uh, on May 4th, um, oral arguments start in that case in Dane County, um, you know, and it could wrap up this summer uh, in uh, in circuit court. But, uh, you know, it seems likely that 
whatever way it goes, someone will challenge it up to the Supreme Court. Gotcha. Thank you for sort of laying that out. It's helpful to know really what literally is happening and is at stake. Um, We do have a caller. Scott wanted to join us. He wants to bring up the uh, state Senate um, District 8 special election that just happened yesterday. Hi, Scott. Thanks for joining us. What are you thinking? Well, thank you very much for taking the call. Excellent show. And um, early last evening, I was elated. Janet Protasevich's victory and later on deflated at the Democrats' loss in the 8th Senate District. And I'm wondering if any of you have any input on the potential now with the Republican State Senate supermajority and the potential for um, impeachment that is in the state constitution uh, now that the Republicans have that supermajority. I'll take any response off the air. That's a great question. Thank you so much, Scott. And I will mention, you know, I was paying attention to that race last night to um, the candidate, the Democratic candidate, Jody Simkin, lost by 300 votes, which is incredibly close. That wasn't really a Senate district that people thought would be that close, would be that competitive. So, you know, uh, objectively from the outside, I'm like, wow, that's a super close race. The Democrats did a lot to move um, forward and make that a competitive race. Of course, in the end of the day, you're right, you have being deflated. That's a fair, you know, feeling to have because the election ultimately didn't um, turn out the way uh, in support of uh, the candidate that supports abortion rights um, and other rights. Um, Representative Subek, do you have any information or sort of insight on this of what it means now? Sure. So, I mean, obviously, this is all still very fresh. So, um, you know, I this is my quick sort of analysis of the situation. So first off, as far as things like sustaining a veto go, um, the assembly where I serve, we did maintain in the last election, barely maintained, but maintained um, so that we so that Republicans do not have a supermajority in the state assembly. So at this point, we in the assembly can hold the line on a veto. What happened in the Senate last night actually returns us to exactly the position that the Senate was in at the start of this session. Because they, um, this was a seat that was held by Alberta Darling when the, sun, when the Senate session started. She fairly quickly resigned the seat, opening up an opportunity, but it's important to note this is an incredibly gerrymandered district um, Democrats were rated to lose this by a lot more. Mm-hmm. I think the abortion and the top of the ticket race with um, the Supreme Court and the fact that Jody, um, Jody Haberstein is such a strong candidate and really worked hard and did all of the right things and was a great, you know, great fit for that district, got her really close. And it was certainly disappointing that she lost. People have talked a lot about the threat of impeachment. Um, I think it is possible for impeachment to happen to start in the assembly. In the assembly, they only need 50%, but I don't know if Robin Voss would go there or not, the speaker. It would be up to him to get that, that ball rolling. I do think that there are some reasonable moderate senators who might have heartburn about impeaching somebody. Um, without cause, the other thing I would say is Wisconsin's laws around impeachment, for the most part, require their specific guidelines depending on what type of office, whether it's um, expelling somebody from your own house, whether it is um, what they call, I think it's a civil officer, I may be using the wrong term, which is not defined in law, um, but likely includes constitutional officers and things. Um, and then there's a specific process for judges and justices. And cause is required, and there are definitions in most instances for Mm. what kind of cause that would be relating to certain types of malfeasance in office or um, criminal acts. So I think it is unlikely that they will actually move forward with impeachments, but I don't think we should let our guard down because it could happen. I do think it is likely that if they did move forward with an impeachment, that I can only imagine that the individual um, office holder would end up challenging it in court 
and some of, um, you know, some of these issues of whether or not there was cause and things would be things that would then be litigated. So fascinating, the level of complexity that comes in here. And I want to thank you for the correction and apologize that I misstated the name of the candidate, Jody Habish Sinekin. I, I may uh, have said it. I, I may have No, I put an M in there. I put an M in there uh, and I okay. apologize for that. Um, Phoebe, you had some thoughts on this that you wanted to chime in as well. Yeah, so uh, with the caveat that I'm not r- reporting on this, I'm not the expert on this, but we're I know that we're working on a story right now that tries to sort of clarify and, and uh, tamp down on this sort of rampant speculation, where it seems extremely unlikely that they would actually be able to impeach Protosawitz, which was where the concern was last right, night. Of, right. If she was just elected right away, is she going to be impeached? So in uh, in order to impeach, my, my understanding this, this may be incorrect, but I'm pretty sure my, my understanding is that in order to impeach justices and judges, um, the assembly needs a two-thirds majority, which they don't have. So they, there's a higher bar for impeaching judges and justices versus other appointed officers. Ah, that will be interesting to sort of find out as that folds, because, right, that certainly is a big piece of, um, and not just Justice Protosawich, um, Justice-elect, Protosawich, but the other uh, justices on the Wisconsin Supreme Court. Um, we so have we'll a story about that out this afternoon. All right. Well, explain ev- that. <laughs> everybody, you know, be sure to check the post from Wisconsin Watch to find out more um, insider information. That's awesome. Thank you, for Phoebe, for that sort of heads up of what's coming soon. Um Dr. Liley, I wanted to get back to you for a second and just talk about why it matters, um, back on the conversation of abortion, why it matters here in Wisconsin or in, in any community, what happens uh, in other states. For example, why it matters here when there's lawsuits in Texas about uh, the morning after pill and other things like that. Well, the world is increasingly flatter and people are traveling from state to state to get the resources that they need. And it's creating a lot of confusion. So for people here in Wisconsin who have to travel to Illinois or Minnesota, that's a different set of laws when it comes to your fundamental access to health care. When I was working in an abortion clinic in Minnesota briefly, people were coming from Texas. They would fly into the airport, go to the clinic, get their abortion medication, and fly back to Texas. I mean, things that are happening in other states are things that are affecting us because we are having to travel to those other states in order to get the things that we need to be able to live our lives. And, you know, luckily we are working together with colleagues in other states. And I heard Representative Subek say this earlier, we're looking to other states for solutions and for ideas about how to tackle these kinds of problems Because what happens in Wisconsin, so um, for example, you mentioned that your daughter is looking at schools in other states, maybe not going to the UW because it's scary to stay here. My son is doing the same thing when he's thinking about his first job. Well, that's what's happening with medical residents and medical students right now. They're not necessarily wanting to stay here and practice here because they don't feel like they're going to get the breadth of training so that they can take care of patients comprehensively. And they don't feel like they're going to be safe to practice here, being forced in some cases to choose between malpractice and a felony. So they're leaving and they're looking to go to states like Minnesota that are more receptive, that are creating space like childcare and uh, economic opportunities. So then there's a brain drain and that's that hurts us from an economic standpoint. So there are so many different reasons. But to me, the most fundamental thing is our own personal health care. I mean, right. Not only is it economic and jobs, but it's impacting the quality of health care that we can get in Wisconsin when we're limiting the number of doctors that want to practice here. And those are conversations that are happening right in every state across the country um so we yeah. have you know less than five minutes left yeah. i wanted to just say um give everyone a moment to give some final statements representative Subak, lisa were you trying to chime in there and i i missed you sure, yeah no but that's okay i was just i, I was going to add something else to make it sort of the final statement too 
that some of those um, things that are happening in our states have national implications. For example, you, example the lawsuit around medication abortion mm-hmm. um, has yeah. federal implications, even though it's happening in a state. And so if medication abortion is banned as a result of that lawsuit, um, it would have a national implication. It wouldn't be only in, I think it's Texas, where the cases. But final statement, I would say, you know, we have to keep fighting until we restore Roe. Um, whatever, as things, I am, I am excited about the election result yesterday with the courts. Um, I am pleased that whether we're talking about fair elections, access to abortion, workers' rights, that all of these things will get a fair shake in the courts moving forward that said it doesn't stop the need for us to keep working on these issues here in the state capitol because the only way that we'll make the long-term change we need is to actually get laws like this 1849 abortion ban off of our books yeah yeah and it makes me hopeful to think that perhaps in the state of wisconsin when you talk about the need to change the laws in our books that that's going to motivate voters when they vote for the legislature uh, next time around. That's hopeful. Amen. Yes. Um, Phoebe, any final thoughts on, you know, changes that you've seen while you're reporting and what what you think the conversations will continue to be um, on future campaigns? Yeah, I'll just say that activists have been saying forever that Roe was the floor, not the ceiling. And, you know, there's a silver lining to be had um, for those supporting abortion rights where, repealing Roe perhaps gives them a chance to reimagine abortion access and, and actually make it accessible to people who need it as a form of healthcare. Um, so I'm interested to see how that plays out going forward. Fantastic. Um, and Dr. Lyerly, any final thoughts from you? I would love nothing more than for my patient to be able to come to me with a problem and for us to sit down and talk through it talk through all the alternatives, the risks, the benefits, how this works within her life, and then to be able to take care of her, whatever she needs, and to see her through it before, during, and after, because we have a relationship. That's how healthcare should be. Yes. And I was reminded yesterday that I I was taking care of an 18-year-old woman who had attempted suicide. She was 31 weeks pregnant. And the reason that she tried to kill herself was because this was an unwanted pregnancy and she didn't know what to do with it. It was the mental health burden of carrying an unwanted pregnancy. And I was reminded that in Wisconsin, things are really bad right now, but they weren't that great before Dobbs. So yeah, we're going to keep fighting and yeah, we got to keep working and moving in the right direction. Well, it's been so fantastic talking with all three of you. Thank you for all the work that you do. Thank you for talking to us today. Um, a recap of the election. Again, um, Dr. Kristen Lyerly, um, Wisconsin Watch reporter Phoebe Petrovic, and um, Wisconsin State Representative Lisa Subak. Thank you all so much for joining us today. It's been great having you. And I want to say thank you, everyone, to listening. Um, and you are listening again to WRT 89.9 FM Madison. We'll see you again next week. The big sound from underground, another pirate station. We bring the truth to places truth is never heard before. We bring the sound communication of our tribal war. Dark vision fly by helicopters in the night. Attempt triangulation of our station in the fight. Straight from the base, deep down, low precision. High crime treason, we broadcast in sedition. Like the Wall Street morning, afternoon edition. Commandeering airways from...